If you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of James, which is where we are going to be uh, today and for the next 14 weeks, all right? I want to explain just a couple things and then we'll uh, kind of get into some stuff here. First, I want to say thanks for those that have been praying for Sarah's grandfather. We greatly appreciate your prayers and we pray that you'd continue to to lift him up. We believe there is power in prayer and um, to know that our church family is supporting our family uh, back home. And with that, we appreciate that, and you continue uh, to pray for him. But as well, on the screen, there should be some, um, I think there's a slide here for you about some serving opportunities that we have coming up for you guys this, um, this year and the next few weeks, specifically some of these. These are ways for you to serve directly at our local schools, all right? So our local high school, Estero High School, needs help. Uh, they want us to run football concessions for them all year, all right? So there's just five home games and the first home game is this Friday. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, I'll be honest with you, and a lot of standing. So if that's not for you, uh, then I understand that. But we need at least four to six people every Friday night to help out with that, where they've asked us if we would take that responsibility on. And they like asking us. They know we work hard, and we'll show up on time, and we'll do what we're supposed to do. They don't have to have someone to watch the volunteers because they know we work hard. So you can help out with that, and that starts this um, Friday. Also, as well, the, the library at the elementary school has asked if we could have someone come every now and then to help put books back on the shelf. All right? She said the job qualifications are bending up and down and knowing numbers. All right? So that's, most of us can do that, and so that would be helpful if you could help out with that. Um, but then as well, if you're like, well, I really can't go to the school, they have jobs you can bring home. All the kindergartners need their workbooks tore out, and so they'd ask if we could find some volunteers for that. So if your reasoning for not helping is I can't go to the school, well, then I have the job for you. I'll bring the job to you at your house where you can help out. With that, And then Good News Club, our after-school Bible program that's on Mondays will be starting September the 16th. We need help with that. So if you're interested in helping out with that, um, you can see me and I'll give you all the information that you need to know about that. So there are lots of different ways for you to serve just in our schools. Uh, there's more ways, obviously, to serve here at the church, different things that you can be a part of. But these are just at our local school system. As school started this week, different things that we found out they need help with. So if you are interested in any of those, you can see me about all of those. I'll get you contacted with the right person that you need to be um, with that. But the most pressing one, obviously, is we've got a football game this Friday night, so we need your help with that. As well, you should have noticed that you got a handout on the way in. Um, if you know our normal-looking handout, it's usually on a half uh, sheet of paper. Um, so this is, this is a, a whole sheet of paper divided in half, right? I just blew your mind there, I'm sure. A whole sheet of paper. So the difference is, we got announcements, we got the sermon outline. There's going to be stuff on the back for you every week. So this week, I've given you the outline of what the book of James, as we go through it, is going to look like on a week-to-week basis. So you have the scriptures that we're going to be looking at every Sunday, and that's on purpose because I want you to have read ahead. And not only read, I want you to pray, I want you to study, I want you to basically prepare a message before you hear a message on it. Right, because I think that's a responsibility for all of us to do, to be in the Word. But then normally there's going to be questions on the back and different scriptures for you to read throughout the week. So here's the thing, is if you already are in the Word, I pray that's you. Keep studying what you're studying. All right, keep asking God to speak to you through the scriptures that you're reading, but this will be a help for you, a supplemental thing to what you're already doing. But if you're not studying the scriptures at all, this is hopefully just an encouragement for you to start reading the Bible. And hopefully it can just be an encouragement. And so eventually you're just reading on your own and doing your own thing. And these are just helpful for you as well. So you're going to see these as we go through the book of James. And it's outlined here week by week what we're going to be discussing. 
as we go through the book of James. The book of James is a really awesome book. And if you've ever read through the book of James, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the book of James? Anybody? Faith and works, yes. I asked the board members that Tuesday night, and that was the first thing all of them said. Faith and works. So we think about the idea of faith and works, which we'll talk about that just very briefly in a second. But here's what I want to do. As we go start through the book of James, I want to answer a couple questions for you. One, who is James? Why why is James so important, and who is he? Who was he writing this book to? Who was his audience that he wrote the the letter to? When he wrote it, it wasn't labeled the book of James. It was a letter to a certain group of people, and who are those people, and why is it so important? And then some major themes that we're going to see throughout the book of James as we go through it. So it's kind of an introduction for us, but then we're going to get to James chapter 1, verse 1, where he talks about being a servant of Christ. So who is James? James is the half-brother of of Jesus. All right, so imagine just for a second being the half brother of Jesus. The pressure that must have come along with that. Um, living in a home with someone who was um, saying that they were the Messiah, that they were God themselves, must have been a lot of pressure. I don't know that Mary and Joseph treated them differently, but I would imagine just our flesh would have been the, the tendency to treat them just a little bit differently, knowing that God's living in your house. And James probably had a difficult time with that. We know he did. In John chapter 7, verse 5, it says, For not even his brothers believed in him. All these things that Jesus was saying about himself, James didn't believe them. It says in Mark 3, 21, it says, When his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he's out of his mind. They thought this guy was crazy. James thought his half-brother was crazy. He was confessing to be the Messiah. He was confessing to be God, that he could do all these miraculous things, and the people were trying to get rid of him already in Mark chapter 3. And so James is like, I really don't know about this. This is, my, this is my brother, confessing to be God, the Messiah. But we know that James had a change of heart. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. This is after the, Jesus ascended into heaven. It says, Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So what made the difference in the life of James was that he saw the resurrected Jesus. He had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And that's not too different from us. If you are a follower of Christ, guess what? You have had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. You were changed because you've encountered the resurrected Jesus, because the resurrection happened. We are here today. We are worshiping today. We're able to sing. We're able to lift up our voices. We're able to look into the Word of God and study it because Jesus rose from the grave. And it's the same thing for James. In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, it says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. This was a creed that the early church used to prove that the resurrection was true, that Jesus appeared to all of these people. And Jesus made a specific point to go and reach out to James, his brother, to reveal himself to James, because James was going to later become a leader in the Jerusalem church. James was a very important person throughout the rest of the New Testament as far as leading people and as far as leading the church when it came to Jesus. So I think as, as I think about this, it's an encouragement to me because how many of you have lost um, relatives, lost friends, all of us do, that seem like they want nothing to do with Jesus? Not only that, they think you're crazy and they think Jesus is a little bit crazy with some of the stuff that he said. It gives us hope to not give up on anybody. That James didn't believe that his own brother was who he said he was, and he encountered the resurrected Jesus. My prayer is that people will encounter the resurrected Jesus. 
They'll see that he's alive. They'll see that he is exactly who he says he is and he claims to be. So who is this guy writing to? James was writing to a group of people that were fleeing persecution. Right? So Acts chapter 12 is kind of where the letter of James was going to pick up from. In Acts chapter 12 it says this, About that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Not our James, another James. James is a very common New Testament name. It says, When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. I'm reading this to you because this was when the the book of James, the letter that he wrote to this church, was written. And he was writing it to a group of people that, that, what's taking place here? This guy was arresting people and killing Christians because it pleased everybody else around him. So James pens this letter to this church, and he's going to write these things. He's going to try to encourage them to stay focused on Christ because this is getting pretty tough out there. And I think for us, we, we live in a nation that, if we're honest, is a pretty safe place to live when it comes to being a Christian. We don't face a whole lot of persecution, and the persecution that we do face isn't nearly as severe as what these people were facing in the book of Acts. And so Acts chapter 12, you've got this guy Herod. He's killing Christians basically for sport because it pleased his people, but it also pleased the religious Jews who thought that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. So so James writes this letter, and it says in verse 17 of Acts chapter 12, it says, But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. This is Peter speaking here. And he said to them, Tell these things to who? James. And to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. James was a very influential person throughout the New Testament. And the apostles believed in James, and that James could do great things. And so he pins this letter to this church who's basically running for their lives. Now, I think we like to talk up the early church like it has no wrongs or no mistakes, right? I think I've done that before myself. I've given examples of the early church and talked about them like they were, they were just a perfect church. They had their imperfections, which is why James is writing this letter, because these people were exhausted. Imagine that everywhere you turn as a Christian, someone's trying to get rid of you. You can't really live in your city because the government's trying to get rid of you. Not only can you go, you can't even go to the places where you're used to going, to the synagogues, to worship with people that you're used to worshiping with, because now now those people want to get rid of you. The government and your family and your friends and your people that you know and you love, their purpose is to try to get rid of you because you now believe that Jesus is Lord. Imagine living like that. Imagine how tired you would be, how exhausted you would be from going from place to place to place just trying to find safety. Somewhere where you can lay down your head and not have to worry about is someone going to get you in the middle of the night. This is who James is writing to. So if you've read through the book of James, you know that the book of James is a challenging book. It's going to challenge your faith. It's going to challenge your heart. It's going to challenge your mind because he's going to talk about some things that make us quite uncomfortable at times. And some of the very first things he's going to talk about is he's encouraging these people. He says, listen, here, if you desire 
to be a follower of Christ, you're going to suffer. Now, imagine you're one of these people running for your lives, and this is the letter that you get. The very first thing he's going to tell them is, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Count everything that you face in life joy. Count the persecution. Count the difficulties. Count the fact that you don't necessarily know where you're going. Count that you don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. I want you to count all of those things as joy. That's a difficult thing to grasp, isn't it? Because it's easy a lot of times for us when things are good, man, I can count that as joy. I can do those things. But when things are really tough, James says, you're to count those things as joy as well. So you have a guy who didn't believe, now had encountered the resurrected Jesus, writing to a group of people that are running for their lives because they don't know where they're supposed to be going. But here's the thing that happens all throughout the New Testament. And we've said this before, especially when we talked about the book of Peter. What happens when Christians spread? because of persecution. The gospel spreads. As these Christians, Christ followers, leave their homes and leave these places that they know, the gospel goes with them. We could almost say, what do we need a little bit more of here in America? A little bit more persecution, maybe. Because quite honestly, as I think about the book of James, and as I think about the audience in which he's writing to, and this is why I wanted to share this with you. I know this maybe for some of you is like, man, this is a whole lot of background information. Where are we going to actually get to the book? This is important for you to get before we even look into the book of James. Right? I think we need a little bit more of that. Because quite honestly, we have gotten really comfortable as Christians. We've gotten really comfortable in our faith. A lot of times think about it like, I'll pick up the Bible if I want to. I'll pray if I want to. I'll do some of these things if I want to. For these early Christians, imagine what their lives would have felt like if they didn't read the Bible. Imagine what their lives would have looked like if they weren't on their knees before God every single day, crying out to him, God, life is tough. God, I'm struggling. God, I don't know where the next meal's coming from. God, I don't know where where the next place I'm going to be sleeping is going to be. God, I need you within all of this. And as they pray, their hearts begin to change, and their hearts begin to be more focused and look like Jesus throughout that, which we'll talk about that in just a second. So it's important for us to know who James is. It's important for us to know who he's writing to. And here's some of the things, some major themes throughout the book of James that he's going to talk to him about. We're going to find finding joy in trials and suffering while looking more like Christ. Is it through our trials and, and the things that we go through? The ultimate goal is that God wants us to look more like his son, Jesus, which is why he allows a lot of these things to happen. Chapter 2, faith and works, which is what most of you said the book of James is about. It's a major theme throughout that. And, and the idea is that we display Christ by the way that we live to those around us. Taming your tongue, I think that's a good one for all of us. And having wisdom in order to help us tame our tongues. Warning against worldliness and boasting about tomorrow in chapter 4. And then chapter 5, he has a warning to the rich. He talks about patience. He talks about suffering again. He starts the book with suffering. He's going to close with suffering as well. And he's going to talk about prayer and the power that is in that for us as the church. And specifically us as elders within the church. But the major theme that all of you mentioned were faith and works. And before we go into the book of James, uh, Pastor Tim and Pastor Logan and I talked about this this week. Because the message I gave you last week, if you didn't listen real closely, could sound contrary to some of the things that we're going to talk about throughout the book of James. 
I, I told you the idea of instead of working for God, we are to work with God. And I think that is true as we read throughout the book of James. A lot of times as you read, it almost seems like Paul and James are at odds with one another, right? Because Paul is a lot into what? What does he like to talk about? Grace and faith. He likes to talk about all those things. And if you know anything about the life of Paul, you can understand why grace is such a big deal for him. Because what was he doing? Why was James running? James was running because of people like Paul. Paul was trying to kill people like James, right? And so when you've got someone who encounters the resurrected Jesus, who had been trying to stop Jesus and kill Jesus, you better believe the idea of grace is a major theme for him. But when you also have a guy who spent most of his life not believing that his brother was who he said he was, he probably at the very end of the day almost had this idea in his mind that I want to show people that I am a changed person. And so he talks a lot about faith and works, but I want you to understand that Paul and James are in 100% agreement with each other. That Paul would tell you, yes, you've been saved by grace through faith, but you better believe that there is work to do. James would tell you, you can only be saved by grace through faith, but you better believe that there is a lot of work to do. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Who wrote this? Paul. And what did Paul say? You are saved by grace through faith. But then verse 10. You were saved by grace through faith, but you were also created to get to work. You were created for good works. You've been saved, and you need to show others around you that you have been saved. And, and, and James is going to tell us, he's like, I'll show you my faith by the things that I do. The things that I say, the faith that I confess to you, should be matched up by the things that I do and by the way that I live. If I have experienced the resurrected Jesus, I'm going to want everyone around me to know that Jesus is alive. It is very difficult to comprehend Someone who would confess Jesus, but not live like Jesus. Someone who would confess Jesus, but not want to sign up to do anything for Jesus and with Jesus. They go hand in hand. If I've truly been saved, then I'm truly going to work for God and work with God. Allow him to do those things through me. In James chapter 1, verse 1, this is the only verse we're going to look at today in the book of James really going to see the heart of James here and how he describes himself. In James chapter 1, verse 1, he refers to himself as a servant of Christ. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Can you imagine how James could have penned that first verse? What could he have said? James, the esteemed half-brother of Jesus, who deserves special privilege here, right? Because none of y'all are as close to Jesus as I am. Nobody grew up in the home with Jesus like I did. But how did he refer to himself? As a servant. I think that is a really awesome thing to think about. Is that James, the half-brother of Jesus, when he describes himself to people, when he has, describes himself to the persecuted church who's running for their lives... He describes himself as a servant, that I belong to Christ. 
His confession here is this. His confession here is that Jesus is God. By saying a servant of God and of Jesus, he says, I now believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus is God, and I believe that the only way to God is through Jesus. And he lays out so much good stuff for us in the coming verses, but for us to understand what a servant is, I think it's important for, before we read anything else throughout the coming weeks in the book of James. I want us to get a good grasp on what it means to actually be a servant and why this idea for James is so important for him to call himself a servant. And I want you to ask yourself, are you a servant? Are you an actual servant of Jesus? And at the very end, we're going to spend some time in prayer asking God to speak to our hearts throughout the, our study through the book of James. Asking God to challenge our hearts because I know he will. If we're open to what he's going to teach us, our hearts are going to be challenged and we're going to get done with this book and we're all going to look a little different. We're all going to look more like Jesus. James is telling us here, Christ is our example of what it means to be a servant. For me to label myself as a servant is for me to align with Jesus. Our scripture reading, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our example of what it means to be a servant is who? Jesus. Jesus came in the form of a servant. He says he emptied himself. The idea of being a servant means that you are a humble person. Which a humble person realizes this, it's not about me. Prideful people think that it's all about them. Humble people realize that it's not about me at all. It's all about Jesus. So for James to confess in his opening statement here, in the first verse of the book of James, that I am a servant of Christ was a statement to say this, it's not about James. It's not about one individual. It's not about any of this. It's not about one individual church. It's not about a group of people. It's about Jesus. And my life is all about him. Humility also has the idea of a servant, meaning this, is that I don't think I'm any better than the one that I serve. I'm no better than Jesus, and what did they do to Jesus? He suffered, and ultimately he laid down his life for other people. So for me to align myself as a servant of Jesus means, guess what? I have to be willing to be treated like Jesus. I have to be willing to allow them to do the things to me in which they did to Jesus, which ultimately means I have to be willing at the end of the day that I'd be willing to lay down my life for the sake of Jesus. Don't think that I'm going to be treated any differently than him. And this is what he's going to tell the church throughout this. He's like, listen, the things that you guys are going through, the things that you guys are suffering, I know you're being persecuted. I know that you're running for your lives. But we serve a God who, guess what? They did the same thing to Find encouragement in that. Find strength in that. Find Jesus within that. And that's the call that he's telling us. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45, it says, Jesus called to them, called to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. 
but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's like if you want to be great, if you want to do anything for the kingdom of God, if you want to do something awesome for Jesus, which I would imagine every one of us would raise our hands and go, yeah, I would love to do something awesome for Jesus. I want Jesus to use me. I want Jesus to speak through me. I want people to come to Christ because of the things that I'm doing. I want to be able to go to these places and be spirit-filled and do all of this stuff. He says, here's the key to all of that. You must be a servant. You must be willing to serve Jesus. You must be willing to serve other people. Why is this such a hard thing to grasp? Because this goes against everything that our flesh tells us. Because what does our flesh tell us? It's all about me. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to do to that person whatever it is I want to do to that person. And our example of how we are to live and what it means to be a servant is Jesus, who even as they mocked him, didn't speak back towards him, right? And surrendered his life, not only just for us, the church, but he laid down his life for people that he knew would never believe in him. That's what it means to be a servant. Is that it's all about Jesus because he is our example of what it means to be a servant. And secondly this, a servant's rights belong to someone else. For James to confess that he's a servant of Christ, basically what he was saying was that I don't belong to myself anymore. I don't call the shots. My life isn't run by James anymore. And for you to say that as well, for you to say, I'm a servant of Jesus, basically as a confession to him that I don't run my life anymore. Who does? Jesus does. Jesus runs my life. He calls the shots. He tells me to go where I need to go. He tells me to say what I need to say. That's what it means to be a servant. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's Jesus in me now. And it says, In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For me to be a servant is a confession to Christ and to the world around me that I have died to myself and I now belong to Jesus. And it's all about him. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily denial of self, realizing that it is all about Jesus. Why is this so important? Why Sometimes you just read over the first verse of an introduction of a book, and you don't think a whole lot about it. But I read this first verse, and the word servant stuck out to me, because it's going to dictate the rest of the book. What he wants the people to understand, what he wants them to get is this, is that a servant will be willing and able to go through all the things in which you're going to go through because you're focused on Jesus. Only a servant of Christ can, can not know some of the things that are going to be coming, which he's going to talk about throughout this book. Cannot know some of those things, can be struggling with some of these things, and stay focused on Christ even within that. Only a servant can do that. 
I think too often we have this idea that Jesus is here now to serve me. And that my purposes are still the main purposes. And that I am the center of all of this. When a servant realizes that Jesus is the center of all of this. And somehow I'm, I'm the center of the universe, but know when it's all about Jesus. Which is why when things happen, if I think I'm the center of it all, when things happen, we are quick to complain. When we think we're the center of it all. When, when things don't go our way, we're quick to let God know about it. Right? Well, God, this happened. Or this is going on. This has taken place. And I don't really like this. But when we have Jesus at the center and we realize that we are his servant, then what, let whatever happened to me happen. Because my life belongs to him. And here's why I can tell you this for sure about James. James laid down his life for Jesus. The church history tells us basically that they took James to the top of a building, threw him off. That didn't kill him. So they took sticks and beat his head in until he died. That's harsh, isn't it? But James was willing to do whatever it was required. And why did James lose his life? Why did he lose his life? And I, I, I could tell by some of your faces I was hesitant of even telling you that part. Why did he lose his life? Because he loved Jesus above everything else. And he's writing this letter, again, remember, he's writing this letter to a group of people running for their lives. And he's telling them, count it all joy. It'd be wrong for me to tell you to count it all joy and then, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm about to lose my life. Let me change my mind. He carried it out to the very end and said, Jesus, whatever it is you have for me, that's what I'll be willing to do. I am your servant. You call the shots. And I'll do whatever it is you call me to do. I want you to take a moment. We're going to pray. And I want you to do this. I want you to ask God to open up your heart to his word and what he has to teach us through this. Because these aren't the words of, of a pastor. These aren't the words of, of someone else here at the church. These are the words of God. James wrote them, but these are the words of God that God has for us as we study throughout the book of James. And I know that God's going to teach us a lot of stuff through this. As we encounter different topics and different issues throughout the book of James, we're going to learn a lot of stuff. We're going to be challenged. We're going to be strengthened. We're going to be encouraged. And there's going to be some messages we're going to hear. And we're just going to leave like, I think we've been beat up for a little bit. If you've ever read through the book of James, you're going to know that. You read through it, and you're like, man, that was tough. And then you'll read the next session, and that was a little easier to swallow there. But week by week, God's going to teach us. But I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray. Take a moment between you and God. Ask God to open up your heart to what he's going to teach you. And I don't know specifically what he's going to say to you, but I know that God's going to speak. If you'll just go ahead over the next 14 weeks as we read through the book of James, ask God right now to speak to your heart. Maybe for some of us you don't even need to say anything to God. Maybe you just need to be like a couple weeks ago, like I encouraged you, just to be still before him. Don't say anything and let him speak to you. I trust that he will. So just take that moment, whatever you need to do before God, and take that moment with him.